Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway. A big show planned on this Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us. Streaming live and airing live across this great radio partner. Outkick.com is also where you can find us. Chad, uh, all the shows are big. This one jam-packed. Plenty of headlines to get to. Uh, we have uh, a throwback, uh, at least for, for us, uh, do you say you grew up in the 90s or the, the 80s? I would say I'm a child of the 90s. Yeah, so, you know, I don't remember as much of the 80s as I do the 90s. Yeah. So definite child of the 90s. We have a, a, a Power Ranger coming in the studio with us in about 20 minutes. Can't wait for that. It's, it's always been on my bucket list, you know, to have a Power Ranger on this show. And today we cross one of the items off of that bucket list. I cannot wait. A lot of, a lot of you watching or, or listening can, can relate. It was a, a show that was on in uh, the mid to uh, late 90s uh, for us. John McClain. Uh, joins us uh, a bit later in the show. A ton of NFL headlines, quarterback battles, uh, running backs that are sitting in uh, and behind the scenes at facilities, others that are departing and leaving. Jonathan Taylor, one of those, uh, not in Indy, headed to rehab his ankle on his own. Uh, Ryan Duffy is the director of Untold Johnny Football, which is available right now today on Netflix. Chad and I had a chance to screen this ahead of time and can't wait to dive in with the director on the direction of this documentary series and specifically the life of Johnny Football, not Johnny Manziel. So quick review of this, Hutton, before we talk to the director. Yeah. I watched all of it this morning and it it's an hour and 15 minutes, I think, around roughly, about that. Yeah, roughly. Felt like 30 minutes. It did. It ended and I'm thinking, that's it? Because it takes so long just to get to the Cleveland Browns part of it. And the A&M stuff is flying by so much. It feels like a night out with Johnny Football. That's how fast it goes. Blink of an eye. You hang out with Johnny Football that entire night. Before you know it, you wake up in a pool of your own vomit yeah. at 5 a.m. Not a blink, That's a blur. what I felt like by the end of the documentary. Yeah, it was yeah. that quick. Yeah, I can't wait to hear some of the stories that didn't make the cut for this. Because they were all great behind the scenes. Uh, speaking of stories, great stories with Kurt Schilling. Uh, and that's where we start today's Scorched Earth headlines on this Tuesday edition of Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow. Uh, we'll be asking Kurt about the best fights he's seen or been a part of or watched, maybe behind the scenes as well. Uh, Tim Anderson KO'd uh, over the weekend in what was a, an amazing punch uh, that was thrown by Jose Ramirez. And Ramirez ends up getting three games of a suspension. Tim Anderson gets six games. Those are the only multi-game suspensions handed down from Major League Baseball. Uh, Chad, I get the feeling Ramirez takes the three games just like everyone would, uh, would hope he would. And he will be referred to as the hero of this because I don't get the, the sense that Tim Anderson is viewed uh, in, in popularity uh, by, across Major League Baseball, especially with some of the things he said and, and you know, continues to say on social media. Yeah, um, this is definitely one of those uh, adding insult to injury 
type scenarios because not only did uh, he get laid out by the punch, he gets double the games as a guy who laid him out. That's can't feel good, right? You're the one who gets knocked out. You're the one stumbling off the field. You're the one that most of Major League Baseball doesn't like. And, oh, by the way, you're going to get a six-game suspension when the guy who knocked you out is going to get three games. It, it would prompt me to say, you know, what about the guy who actually connected on the punch? How about him? Can we give him more games? But that's not the case. Well, that Major League Baseball agrees of who started this, who wanted to fight. They both did. One ended it. I, I still, and I, I feel, feel like I'm, I'm, an, feel like? I'm an expert of this fight now because, as I've said, I spent over an hour watching every angle of it. I don't understand what initially happened to make him mad. I, I know the claim was it was a hard tag. But it was over a course of several different instances. No, yeah, the, the, something like this doesn't just happen with one thing. I yeah. get that. But he says he's yelling back at him, just play the game the right way, respect the game. Yeah. And he's talking about a hard tag. I didn't really see that hard of a tag. My initial thought was it's like what we see in basketball all the time. When you go crotch first over a guy, that is the ultimate sign of disrespect. I think back to Scottie Pippen dunking on Patrick Ewing and walking over him where yeah. he's straddling him, and then that started the fight. How many times have we seen a guy like step over another guy in Draymond, basketball? And Draymond's up kicking the guy who Football, grabs his foot. Yeah, you punch up at the guy, you kick at him. Like that's the ultimate sign of disrespect. I thought that the the issue was because he slid head first. Yeah. That Anderson was like hovering over him, straddling him for too long and would not move. So he's yelling back at him to get out of his way so he could stand up. But now he's saying it was because of a hard tag. But as we know, Hutton, these things don't happen. Like that. This was building for a while. And then we all got to witness the glorious conclusion to their beef, which was Tim Anderson getting knocked out. I, I thought Anderson would get suspended for more, honestly, just based on just being in the headlines for this reason in the past or just in controversy, either something that he's trying to defend or something that he's instigating. Chad, uh, the Angels going in the wrong direction. Right at the trade deadline, they load up. They were buyers, not sellers. They did not trade away Otani. They wanted to make a playoff push. And since the deadline, since August uh, has rolled around, they have not won a game. It doesn't look any easier. They're now, what, eight games back from the final wild card spot. And going into it, everyone's looking for them to make a push to get that final wild card spot to participate in the postseason. And it has it, the, the acquisitions have not met the expectations. They have plummeted instead of uh, raising the bar for where they want to go. And just to put this in perspective, over in the National League, the Mets are seven and a half out of the, the third spot. And you said eight? Angels are eight. Eight out right it, now? Here's their upcoming schedule. And by the way, we are all on team LA Angels right now because we want Otani. This is before Trout even returns yeah. uh, to the roster. I want to see them in the postseason. I'd love to see them make a push to try to keep him, I think they have to win in order to do that to prove that they can be the franchise that he's talking about at the All-Star break. Here's their upcoming schedule. They've got two more games here against the Giants. Then they have a three-game series against the Astros and the Rangers over a six-day span. Then they return home for a series against the Rays. This is not going to go well based on the way they've been playing and the acquisitions coming in cold, not hot. And like I said, when this went down, and I understand the thought process, 
you can't go after someone for you know saying that we're, we want to go for it while we have this and trying to win and trying to acquire talent and not get rid of it. This is going to be one of the biggest fail- failures in the history of sports. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. You've got two first ballot Hall of Famers, surefire, all-time top players on your roster for an extended period of time, and you don't go to the playoffs one time? And not only do you not go to the playoffs, again, I'm trying to look at the future right now. If this continues, they still have plenty of time to turn it around. And if they do that, then we'll say, hey, great, good job. Pat them on the back for actually getting to the playoffs one time with these guys. But if they don't, not only did they have that window and not even play in the postseason, but at that point, they would have foregone the opportunity to bring on legitimate talent that would bolster the next step for that franchise and instead held on to Otani, who's probably going to be gone after this season. So it was a huge risk. Could have been a big reward. Doesn't look like much reward right now, Hutton, when you look at that team and the way they're spiraling. Unless they just turn it on uh, the same way they did whenever they announced that they weren't going to trade Otani, you know, and he ends up with a, what was a one or two hitter that day? Yeah. The same day. They need to crank it up against teams that are not just trying to make the postseason. I think he threw a World complete game two hitter and launched three home runs over the course of a doubleheader. Yeah. Uh, there was two games. Which one the game he pitched day, and then had three home runs. It might over be two the games. greatest performance we've ever seen over one day for any individual player, if you think about it from what he accomplished. He's something, and he's going to be a lot more when he's playing for the New York Yankees <laughs> um, a year from now. I'm, I'm just, or the Dodgers. I, I'm speaking the truth here because he is someone that is going to be a bigger deal with a bigger franchise that has more fans and more eyeballs on it, that that's going to be. And I don't even know if it's the Dodgers because the West Coast part of it, even though clearly they're more of a national team. Um, But when he ends up on the Cubs or the Mets or the Yankees, it's going to be a bigger deal. Chad, uh, a big deal right now, conference realignment, expansion across college football and and, uh, the power conferences now down to four instead of five after the Pac-12 has all but made it official that they're dissolved based on the four teams that are remaining. Uh, Charlie Baker, the new president of the NCAA, uh, says that its uh, conference realignment has been highly disruptive. This is in a a statement that was sent to On3. Highly disruptive is how he's described this. And this is a rare occasion when the NCAA president comments on teams moving to different conferences. But at this stage he's saying that he shares concerns about the impact of the of the recent conference realignment activities and what they're going to have on student athletes and their well-being he says uh, the recent conference moves highlight what i've found during my review of the issues facing the ncaa the growing gap between well-resourced division one schools and the rest of the division is highly disruptive for all d1 and college sports overall um he's saying this Number one, to look like he's taking up for the, the have-nots instead of the haves. But also keep in mind, he's also a lobbyist, more or less, for federal legislation of name, image, likeness, and the transfer porter right now on Capitol Hill. And you can't go around saying we need to cap certain profits from the player's point of view while the power conferences are raking in cash that you have no control over extremely hypocritical uh it's a complete 180 on what they're trying to do literally weeks after uh you've got conference commissioners standing at a podium saying that it's it's 
craziness and it's uh, wild, wild west for players. They want to cap the profits so they can continue to make the vast majority of it, uh, especially when the new TV money pops in. That's what this is about. And it's, you know, it's laughable that we're hearing from him here uh, the week after we've seen all of this on the horizon, even back before Colorado made the move to the Big 12. Well, it is comical. And from one standpoint, because there's always been a division in major college football, that there's always been haves and have not. So if you're going to bemoan the fact that those who were once haves because they were in a Power Five conference, and now that some of them have been left behind because others from that Power Five conference went to a better Power Five conference, but now that leaves yeah. the others at a disadvantage who were the privileged children of college football before. That doesn't make any sense because there's a whole level of conference that have never had the same advantages as those in the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC or formerly the Pac-12. So that division has always existed. And when you don't argue what we've said for a while, what you just hinted at, and that is I'd love for one person from the NCAA or a school president, we've seen coaches being honest about it. We'll play some audio and video of a coach later being honest about it. But if Charlie Baker just came out and said what we said yesterday, you know what, guys? It's really hard for us to push this legislation and say all the things we need to have competitive balance and do things for the greater good of college sports if all of you bleepholes are going to get together and just simply make decisions based on money. So how are we supposed to preach to college kids, don't just go to the highest bidder, don't accept this money, if that's all you're going to do? You're going to preach academics. You're going to preach competition and integrity and then just take the bigger paycheck. How am I supposed to go back to everyone and then try to publicly sell what we're trying to do for the greater good of college sports? You can't. I wish Charlie Baker would have said that. I'd have a heck of a lot more respect for him had he done that. But as we know, no one's going to be fully honest because much like everything else right now, they're simply protecting their own personal interest. Uh, simply speaking is better than what we would see from Mark Emmert, though. So I do, uh, at least he's giving some type of statement whenever he's asked for one. But also keep this in mind. By the like, way, some great moments from Mark Emmert in that Johnny Manziel documentary Yeah, we're going to talk about yeah. later, where he <laughs> did say, I will give him some, some credit on this. He was publicly quoted in the, in the documentary uh, at a podium speaking Someone at a press conference said, do you believe that college athletes will be paid for their name, image, likeness at some point or be paid? And he said, not while I'm the NCAA president. And I'm pretty sure he kind of stepped away the moment he lost in the Supreme Court. So at least he stuck to his word. All, all they they weren't getting paid while he was the president because he you're, resigned. You're right. The moment it happened. Yeah, he announced it a year in advance. But so also keep this in mind, though, like what the, the bipartisan bill that is trying to be uh, uh, pushed through uh, with Tommy Tuberville and, and um, the Senator Tuberville and Joe Manchin, um, they are more or less, based on the structure of what was presented, just trying to have a federal law in place that will enforce the old NCAA rules. And that status, the, the nonprofit status, and the cap on whatever is going to be name, image, likeness, and how often you can jump around to schools and move and, and take the cash a couple different times. They want to cap that. They want to do away with just entering the portal for whatever reason. They want you to stay for three years. I mean, again, it's very similar to the structure we saw that they had to step away from. But, Chad, the, the biggest difference here is 
you've got the former governor of Massachusetts, now the president of the NCAA, brought in to help uh, lobby and push certain things that will give power back to the NCAA and save the power conferences a ton of money and bring in more revenue through TV and, and other uh, media streams. And then the other thing I think that's massive is he's, he's also going to be uh, one of the, the top things has to be keeping the college basketball tournament exactly what it's been, which is helping them be a billion-dollar annual company uh, that's uh, listed as a nonprofit and doesn't currently list any uh, a player as an employee or you know the, the uh, different statuses that I think the players will eventually get if they decide to unionize. That's what they're trying to avoid. That's his, that's his uh, really job description. It's not, oh, how dare the Big 12 take all these schools from the Pac-12. Hutton, I'm excited about our next segment. Uh, we're going to take a little dive into pop culture when we come back. Uh, Away from sports, into pop culture. Although I guess Power Rangering could also be seen as a sport. We'll oh, discuss. definitely. Yeah, it was a sport to watch in the 90s for us. That's next on Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up, how Stanford and Cal, who are currently on the outside looking in on who's remaining in the Pac-12 as it sits right now, how they could be showing us exactly the structure and the model for how teams try to stay relevant if they're not a part of the power conferences that's uh, coming up in about a half hour or so chad uh, right now going down memory lane a bit for us uh, mighty morphing power rangers was uh on the tv quite a bit i believe it was like fox kids or something is where it debuted it was a global sensation it, this is a huge huge show and then it's turned into this empire of different branches on the tree it never stopped there's currently yeah. a, a movie right now on netflix uh that is co-starring our next guest Catherine Sutherland is with us right now in studio, now living in Nashville from Australia originally, uh, Pink Power Ranger, and she's kind enough to join us today. Catherine, thank you so much for swinging by. Thank you for having me. Have you ever done an interview in a place where they make moonshine before, <laughs> or is this, definitely is this a, a first fu- for Definitely you? a first, for sure. So I, I love the accent, by the way, and I'm always <laughs> curious about this. How long have you been in the States? And your accent has stuck with you uh, prominently based on talking to you before this interview also. I've noticed with some, Mel Gibson is one of them, that mysteriously his accent just vanished. <laughs> like quickly after he got to America. I feel like some people the accent goes away and others it never goes away. Have you seen this with, with people in entertainment? Yeah, you know, when I first moved here, I had to correct my accent a little bit so people could understand me because my accent was a lot thicker when I first got here. But um, so I had to kind of pronounce my R's and say car 
and park because <laughs> I'd say park and people were like, what is she talking about? Um, so, yeah, I, I think as I've gotten older, my accents actually kind of come back a bit more. I don't know why. It's, it's great. So like how, how we try to do a, a bad Boston accent with the Park R's. The car. Yeah, yeah. You, you go into an American <laughs> accent by focusing on the R's. So in the in the mid nineties, when you jump on board with Power Rangers, already a popular global show at that point, um, how much research goes into it when you get the opportunity to join something that's humming along at that level? What was your first reaction to it? And did you have a relationship with the material at all at all before taking the role? Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about the show. I literally just thought I was going on a kid's show that filmed in America, so I was just excited for the opportunity. Um, but it, it, I think it had just started airing when I got the, the job, so I started watching it just to see who I was going to be working with. It made no sense to me. I didn't understand anything. I was like, what is happening right now? They're, they're teenagers, and then they become robots, and how did they get in the cars? And I was so confused. Um, so, it, but I didn't realize how huge the show was to be quite honest with you. So when I came over, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is a big deal. This is making a big impact on people. I'm going to have to really know what I'm talking about. So yeah. <laughs> where, did, where did you guys shoot the, the show and, uh, what was production like? What was the timetable for filming this show? Yeah, we, we filmed in Valencia in California. Um, and uh, we worked really long days, sometimes 16-hour days, because we'd finish filming and then have to go and do ADR, and um, which is like all the voiceover recordings. So anytime you saw us in a helmet, that yeah. was a stunt double. A ma I had a male, Japanese male stunt double that was padded and looked quite girly, and he would always <laughs> stand like this. I'm like, I don't even stand like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It but was, they it were was, there with you shooting alongside your yeah. stunt doubles? Okay. So, in the original series, um, they did some of their own stunts. And then as the show took off, and we were, film, we were filming 52 episodes um, in a season. So, it was a lot. We would film, you know, every two weeks. It was three episodes. So, it was, it was pretty rigorous. Um, so, they would film the second unit and the first unit at the same time. So, all of the, the monsters and the stunt guys would be filming simultaneously with us um, with, you know, the juice bar and, you know, all of the, the Angel Grove High and all the, the stuff where you saw our faces. So Did you ever want to go Tom Cruise and do your own stunts? <laughs> did you ever want to kick your stunt double out and I try did, it yourself? I did some, but they made me look way better than I was. So I was quite happy for him to, to make me look good. So what, what <laughs> would happen if your stunt double uh, in the helmet got injured? Um, they had a team. So... Um, Koichi Sakamoto was our stunt coordinator. He brought a lot of the guys over from Tokyo. So they had quite an extensive team so they could interplay and use different different cool. guys. Yeah. Was there yeah. a moment, you know, if you're calling back home and, you know, telling people in Australia about the show that you're on or an appearance <laughs> that you made where you said, man, this is, this is even bigger than I thought yeah. being a part of this. Did, was there that light bulb moment for you when you saw this is a huge deal? Yeah, the first... Um, time was uh they they just filmed the first movie and I went to the premiere I was with uh, Jason Frank and his wife at the time and uh I got out of the limousine with them and he was like a rock star there was people screaming they were like the Beatles and I was going what is going on this is a kids show you know um so I I realized very quickly that it wasn't just a kids show it was a worldwide phenomenon which is so crazy to me it's still going after 30 years it's crazy do you now understand the plot 
what's going on? <laughs> yes. Years later. You know, I finally get it. 30 years, almost 30 years in the future. Like, can you, now you know what's going on? I finally figured it out. Yes. I How understand. long was that process to get to the point 30 where you said? 30 years. <laughs> just now, yesterday, you just yeah, now figured out what it's about. Yeah, I was like, oh, I about. get it now. Yes. And, and this is something, Catherine, that's had really a, a long-lasting life. Yeah. I mean, this has not gone away. There's, a, like we said, a movie right now on Netflix. You make appearances as yeah. a Power Ranger. What has that process been like since the show ended? You've been involved in various movies uh, mm -hmm. with Power Rangers also, but mm -hmm. when you make appearances now, are you surprised to see the long life of this thing and the fans that are still out there? Yeah, I get asked that a lot. Like, what is it about Power Rangers that made it that makes it so, um, you know, relevant even now than it was it's it's actually built up I feel like it's almost more popular now than it was back then um and it's because our fans they continue to like pass it on to their children so I'll meet like three generations of Power Ranger fans when I go to these conventions it's crazy um and I think it's just you know it's a wholesome show it's about good you know, good always wins and about working together as a team. It had diversity. Um, there was a character everyone could relate to. It's colorful. There's loud music. It kind of had a little bit of everything. Um, and I think people want that kind of wholesome television again, you know? Catherine Sutherland in studio with us, uh, Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I want to I ask about the finances here. Do you guys, would you guys get a cut from the action figures? No, it, it was non-union when I was on the show. So, um, no, we, we don't get anything for merchandising or um, we don't get, I don't even get residuals from the show. Yeah. Wow. We, we get So you're paid a college athlete that we were just discussing. Yeah. I mean, I, this is a funny story. One of the actors who I won't say who it was, but um, the first time they got their paycheck actually cried and said, oh my gosh, I made more as a, as a waiter. <laughs> so. Well, it's, well it, how, how much was it? Uh, how much would you make? Oh, I, um, I don't just know starting out in the mid nineties. Um, I, I, my deal might have been a little different because they brought me over from Australia. So um, I, I know some of the uh, original actors were making maybe $500 an episode or something like that. So the one who was crying, you're like, when you heard that, you're like, oh, well, I made more than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't cry. Or you're just tougher well, than that's that actor. Why that's in the, that. in the original series, um, three of the actors left because they were trying to get, yeah. you know, more, more money, which they deserved. And um, yeah, so that didn't go so well. So another big hit in the 90s was American Gladiators. There's yes. a lot of documentaries on about that now, and it was yes. a similar situation. Yeah. People breaking into the industry and getting paid nothing yeah. on American Gladiators. They held out, and they got replaced quickly right yeah. on that show. But you see throughout the documentary, they're still making money off American Gladiators yeah. through appearances. Mm -hmm. Has that been good for you and your yes. fellow actors where you get to go on and, and make appearances after the fact? Yeah, um, I think that we always say that's like it's an amazing thing to be able to connect to our fans worldwide and it's made us relevant and kind of like that's like our residuals, I guess, you know, doing these now. Um, but I and I don't feel there's no resentment or anger or anything like that. I feel like it, they gave me an amazing opportunity and I got my green card through that job. And um, there was so many blessings that came from it that, yeah, OK, I could have gotten paid more, but it's it all comes back. You know, it all comes around. You know, uh, Netflix, where the, the latest movie is right now, they're notoriously secretive with the public <laughs> about how things are doing. Do you get any feedback or information on how things are doing on Netflix? Yeah. Or is it just shot and then kind of goes away? It's so interesting you say that because um, I had asked one of the executives about how, how it was doing. And they don't, it's, it, I don't know if they can do the number, if they can figure out the numbers because... 
uh, it was number 10, like top 10 around the world. And But I don't know how they figure that out. Um, it's very, streaming is very difficult to track. Like I think on network television, it's very easy to see who's watching and keep track of those things. But streaming's a little more challenging, I think. So when it debuts or it drops, like you, there's no feedback like you would get from the theater release. No, no. So you're not as nervous when it, when it actually debuts, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't know how many people are viewing it, but when we saw it was the top ten, we were very excited sure, about yeah. that. But um, and the anticipation of it coming was really exciting. But yeah, I don't get any any feedback of like other than people messaging me on social media and telling me what they thought of it. I don't really get any feedback. What are the biggest markets other than the United States for all things Power Rangers? Um. I think it's originated in Japan. Yeah, it originated in Japan. The Sentai Sentai was the first um series. I think it's it's pretty popular in Europe, I believe. Um I've never actually looked at the statistics of of how it does outside of the US. I should look at that. <laughs> were there any shows that you saw after you were in the show and you thought, "Oh, they're copying the the model of what we're doing?" Was there any talk of that like the not a spin-off, but a it, they're they're clearly going after the same audience and playing the well, same they, song. Well, Saban did. They had Masked Rider and Beetleborgs and VR Troopers. They definitely had other shows that were from the Sentai series mm. and adapted to American audiences. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of shows at that time. There was Transformers and Ninja Turtles, and there was a lot of shows that were kind of in the same genre. I think it's amazing to me that I, I look back at the '90s and kids shows, and I, I think. Did kids just have more powerful imaginations and creativity in the 90s? Because your show's one of them that's very hard to describe <laughs> to people today. If you went to someone, I know there's a movie coming out now, but it, and you described the whole plot to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah, it would blow kids' <laughs> minds. Like yeah. radioactive turtles <laughs> led by a rat in a sewer, you know, fight. I mean, it, it, none of that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, my kids watch Bluey. Which is an Australian yeah, that you know, show's creation. So sweet. But that's just a family of dogs. Right. You know, that are just talking like humans. They're, I mean, it's funny, but it's not. Uh, the 90s was a real special time, yeah. I feel like, to be on kids' television. You're right. There was a lot of different kind of shows. I don't know. I think it took you 30 years to, to realize figure the it plot. Out. So <laughs> clearly it was difficult. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> no, it, it, it is, is me too. It's interesting, though, how cyclical it is, though, because yeah. Spider Man's radioactive or whatever, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and they yeah. continue to just roll that out every other year, it feels like. Batman, the same the thing. Superheroes. People have, have a real desire to, to have good win, don't they? Yeah. I think. Yeah, and it, it, it's also like you're, you're doubling back on the generation. So, like, they want Chad to go see this and bring the kids that also see Well, it. like you were saying, you get yeah. three generations sometimes, I think, right? Yes. Two, at least two yeah. when you go to shows. Yes. To like I'll fans. get even the grandmas, like the grandma, the, the, the son, and then the little kid. I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't know. I mean, I, don't, I would guess the only thing that would be different is like the, the fever pitch for the action figures and things like that. Like I don't, I'm just guessing there, there is a lot of, had it. Yes. And there's a lot of, now there's a lot of collectors that collect, you know, these things are worth a lot of money. And so I think you getting, we get that audience as well of people that want to collect the toys and the comics and all of that stuff. Emily yeah. on YouTube says cat was one of my favorite power Rangers uh, growing up. So you've got Aww. some fans out there Thanks, watching Emily. right now. <laughs> um, why Nashville? I feel like so uh -huh. many in entertainment are making the move from yes. LA to Nashville. Why Nashville for you? Yeah, I, it was so 
weird how it all happened. I um I, I say I really feel like it was divine intervention because I we weren't it wasn't on our radar or anything. Um, we we stopped off here on the way home from a vacation, and my husband and I just fell in love with it and started to kind of look around. And then I went to Franklin and I just went, oh my gosh, this is like a Hallmark town. I have to live here. And we packed up my whole family. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to get political, but California wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I hear that from a lot of people yes. that have moved recently. So yes. you're, you're definitely not alone there. Yeah. Well, I've companies met a lot too. of friends, a lot of, yeah, a lot of companies, a lot of my friends that I've met here are from California. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful place to live. I love it here. It's a great migration. It's yes. going the opposite way now. It yes. was back in the early 1900s, east to west. Now it's, now it's west to east. Yeah. <laughs> Coming right, all, all comes back around. Just like yes. the Power Rangers, it all comes back around. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, you'll have to come back around here at 6th of Peabody. Yes. We'll moonshine tasting. Yeah. Oh, moonshine. I have tasted it. I'm not, I'm not a real fan of moonshine. Do you I like beer? Beer is no. more your speed? No, I'm, I like wine. Yeah, like they don't have a lot wine. of wine around here, so we can't really no. help you out. There's plenty of bars around, though. There is a lot bar, of bars. Yes, yeah. I know. I and whiskey. I know everyone does their old fashions, and every, I can't. I just can't quite. I'm gonna have to practice. <laughs> get right. used to There's that. There's only one way to get good at it. Yeah, red or white. Practice. Um, Maybe a rosé. Yeah, rosé. All right, we can find. Uh, they've got wine around here somewhere. Too. Yeah. yeah. Arlington, Arlington <laughs> Vineyards. There we go. Oh, shout out, kicks. <laughs> Whatever you need, they have it right here. <laughs> Catherine, thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Coming up, uh, a chat with Albert Hainsworth from last week that apparently Clay Travis did. At least that's according to Sports Illustrated. Uh, that's next on Hot Mike with Unin Withrow. Coming up, we discuss the ACC and the future compared to what we just saw with the Pac-12. And speaking of the Pac-12... Four remain, including Stanford and Cal, and a potential light that we can see through the tunnel of how we may have different contracts for different sports and what's underneath the surface right now that may be the future of the group that isn't included right now in the Power Two. And it's, you know, we could go as far as the Power Four but especially the power, too. Something I hate that could lead to something that I won't hate as much. Yeah. That's kind of what, how I'm going to preface what we're going to talk about. Yeah, plus John McClain and much more across the NFL. Hot Mike with Hudden Withrow rolls on. Uh, Chad, what your reaction when I uh, sent you Clay Travis's uh, tweet to Sports Illustrated uh, yesterday where he, <laughs> I, I had the chat with Albert Hainsworth that's circulating. Uh, on his comments about Daniel Snyder and a few of his former teammates and how they deserved uh, to be remembered in Washington because of that trash or, uh, trash organization, trash team, and trash teammates. I'm paraphrasing, but that's more or less what he said. SI uh, clips this uh, part of uh, the story and says, hey, you know, just, just because we need the contrarian viewpoint it surely had to be lurking around some dark corner. Indeed, here comes Outkick having posted an interview in which Clay Travis interviews Albert Hainsworth. Clay retweets and says, Sports Illustrated incorrectly reported I interviewed Albert Hainsworth. Great journalism, guys. It was Hutton. You're welcome, guys. I, I laughed so hard I dropped my phone <laughs> when you sent me that, that tweet from Clay uh, on this. We've long had this thing on the show, and this was pre-Hutton's beard. Where yeah. Hutton and I would constantly get confused for each other 
in public. And we, and it we could still be have. Even the sound of our voice. Someone would hear and say, oh, hey, someone would come to me and, you know, I played uh, – I played with a friend of yours at uh, Warren County High School or whatever. I'm like, oh, you're thinking of Jonathan Hutton. I'm, I'm Chad Withrow. This happened constantly. And occasionally there will be some confusion from people. But what I've seen in the last two and a half years as Hutton has joined OutKick is we've seen a seismic shift <laughs> in confusion. Around that time, Hutton grew a beard and the beard has been here to stay. And from that point on, Hutton will walk out here at 6th and Peabody and people will, will occasionally yell, hey, Clay Travis. I've signed Clay's I, name. I love your stuff. Ask, ask for an autograph, thinking it's Clay. In front of Clay. This confusion happens so so much more. We long had Chutton. And we've now formed Clutton. <laughs> the Clay-Hutton combo and the mix-up. I also feel like we have failed Hutton in marketing him that – Everyone no. just assumes any guy with a beard at Outkick is Clay Travis. No, you haven't failed. Uh, that, is Dave Hookstead also confused for Clay no, Travis? The, the like Outkick anyone brand else? is Clay Travis. Uh, does Dan Z have? No, he doesn't have a beard, does he? I'm trying to think of who else at Outkick has a, Clay, has a beard. So Clay, for the longest time, his Twitter handle was Clay Travis BGID. Yes. And that stood for beard getting it done. And he paid off the guy who had at Clay Travis, I think, that gave him enough money. He'll be on tomorrow. We're going to we can ask him about how much he – I'd like to know how much he paid for that handle. I've tried to pay the guy who has at Chad Withrow for the handle. Yeah. Never responded. He hasn't been on Twitter since like 2011. There's got to be a remedy for that now. It's now X. Maybe you can rewrite I'll, the rule book. I'll get Charlie to text Elon for me, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, get, it, I'll get it taken care of. That's probably the remedy. Um, yeah, but he's like a, he does he owns like a gun range in California. He's like a weapons expert, this Chad Withrow, or Oregon, one, one of the two. Maybe it's undercover. We can track him down. There's an at Chad Withrow that I don't think has been active in like 10 years on, on the platform. Have and they, I want that I, Twitter account. Do we know if they've changed the uh, the information here where it says Clay's interviewing Albert? Oh, I don't think they have. We should probably go back and look, but people don't care. People just really don't care. The, the amount of it. care that's put into journalism today with a capital J is very, very light. Well, that's fair. People uh, don't that's really. Unfortunate. It's a lot like uh, you know what used to be college football and what works and what doesn't. But the numbers are still there. So this is, uh, it's SI.com, but it's Fan Nation Commander Country. Yeah. This is the other thing that bothers me about stuff like this. Like, that, that is, if SI is posting it, that's SI. So you can't fall back on, yeah, well, but you're no, viewing this it is the just of the our, old Sports Illustrated. Right, but you, you see my point. Like, if you are going to have all of these other brands underneath you, yeah. well, you're that brand. So when you post it on your site or you repurpose it, that's you. You're representing SI. I don't care if it's two aggregators in D.C. that run a commander's fan site that screwed it up. No, you screwed it up. The moment you take ownership of it and I see SI.com at the top, that's, that's the your site. screw up. That's right. And whatever, anyway. whatever umbrella they're underneath now uh, as a company. Uh, Richard Sherman, we mentioned this as a possibility a week or two ago. Uh, uh, among the names atop the list to replace Shannon Sharp on Undisputed uh, through FS1 as the uh, co-host uh, with Skip Bayless. R Richard Sherman, they have agreed in principle to a contract with FS1 and the show that will uh, have him appear on 50 to 100 shows per year. It's a big gap there. 50 to 100 shows per year, uh, and mostly during football season, uh, across the the desk from 
from Skip Bayless as the replacement for Shannon Sharp. He's, uh, Sherman's also going to remain on uh, Amazon Prime and Thursday Night Football uh, on site at the desk as one of the analysts, but he'll also join Skip here. And it, we mentioned this, Chad, last week, I think, but we, I, I can't think of those two together and, and unless I'm thinking of the first take where they've got the three box on the screen, Sherman's in the middle, and he goes after him. Stephen A is just kind of staring blankly into the screen going, I can't believe they're arguing over this. And the argument was about who has accomplished more in their profession. And it, it, Bayless said, I've, I've done more in media than you've done in football. And then it ended by Sherman saying something like, I, I'm better at life than you. I've accomplished more. I'm better at life. This has now led to this pairing. And they met over the weekend in Beverly Hills. For like two and a half hours. Peninsula to, Hotel. To figure out uh, if Sherman wanted to be all in on this or not. 50 to 100 is about right instead of having him on for all the different uh, sports seasons. I think keeping him on for the most part during football is a good thing. And they can also get creative on how they want to approach the other times of the year. Uh, I know Keyshawn Johnson has been mentioned. They'd like to lock him in. Lil Wayne is in Lil Wayne's doing Fridays. it. It's like a Friday rotational series of rotating uh, guest disputers <laughs> with, uh, okay. with Skip on Undisputed. So they're going to have different co-hosts on, on Fridays, and, and Lil Wayne's going to be one of them. This news prompted me to go back and watch that clip yeah. of him on first take again. And my takeaway after watching that was uh, they're going to physically fight <laughs> on this show. <laughs> I, I, I am not joking. I think that Richard Sherman is going to attack Skip Bayless at some point. I don't think that he can – draw the line that you need to draw in order to not fight him. I think that the, the did, tempers are going to rise and that Richard Sherman just may attack him. At what some did point. he say? He I hope that like, doesn't happen, uh, but that's Skip, my you, guess. You addressed me as Stanford graduate and all pro quarterback, Richard Sherman. That was one part of it. Skip Bayless could say you can address me as Vanderbilt graduate. <laughs> right. Skip Bayless, also a good school. It, I mean, that's a good comeback from Skip. Because any athlete can say that to any, you know, any host that's not a Hall of Famer, right? That does, well, I've, I've accomplished way more in sports than you ever did. And that, but him to come back and say, yeah, and I've done way more in media than you have. And we're in media right now as you're a guest on this show. Sherman, it's a pretty good comeback. I, I, like, I like Sherman's intelligence here. I, I, I think it's a smart contract as far as the appearances. Uh, I think they will be good together for, for TV purposes. Um, and... On on the flip side of it, I think Skip Bayless does his homework, no different than Stephen A. I think there have been a lot of posers. There have been a lot of other shows that have tried to just clone what they were doing and can't do it in the same way. Uh, one thing that Skip says he's not is a hot take artist. He says he's just spitting facts or his opinion. Uh, and he's not a, what, what he said, I'm not a grandstander. I'm not a toy. I'm not a caricature I'm a natural-born opinionist. To me, a truth-teller. I see it and I say it whether you like it or not. He said this on the Skip Bayless podcast recently. Yeah, I mean, I believe that he believes that. I, I think that's, that's what he thinks about how he performs his job. And you're right, him and Stephen A. Smith, they're not the originators. I'd give that to Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon of, of this. Yeah, but this was different. It was a different spin, yeah, this though. Yeah, this, this is different. After. This is more of an anger behind it. But they're both very good at what they do. Um, whether you like it or not, they are good at it. And 
Let me also say, I think the Richard Sherman show with him will be a good show. Yeah. I think that's a good move and a good hire you in that spot. You think like Tim Anderson, though? I just think that there's going to be a fight. I, I just I feel like Richard Sherman, Skip Bayless isn't going to fight anybody. He's done this for years, and he's not accosted anyone Ver- on air. Verbally. He, he knows how to separate it, and he might get mad, and him and Shannon Sharp ended up hating each other. But whatever. That's, that makes for a good show and what they're trying to accomplish I'm not sure that Sherman's going to be able to shut that side of him off. Hopefully I'm wrong. But either way, it's going to lead to good television between those two because there's going to be some legit animosity at times. Oh, he's definitely, though, he says he's not in a hot take. He says he despises the term. Um, many do because, it, you know, it cheapens the, the opinion. Uh, it's more about trying to do something that will go viral instead of giving the honest – uh, opinion and your honest reaction to something, you're cranking it up to 11. Uh, many would say, you know, a lot of the the pro wrestlers are who they are. They're just at a five, and then they crank it up to 11 on the characters that actually work. And that's what this show and others are, are attempting to do. Uh, and, I mean, he's also certainly tweeted out things that are built for uh, the, the retweet, even though he's not following anyone, the retweet or the, the interaction trying to, you know, poke at that more than the simple one-liners like the Tebow craze comparing him to Brady and saying he wants Brady he he would rather have Tebow in the final two minutes than Tom Brady Um, other instances of this there are plenty of examples to point to where it's more of a hot take skip Bayless a lot of that's on social media yeah I, I don't know I feel like a lot of these guys skip Bayless is one especially on Twitter that a big part of what they do to get a response is the same way that you or I or anyone might react initially to something in their own mind, he just goes ahead and tweets it yeah. during a game or what's happening and does not care about ramifications. Hello, Demar Hamlin. Where most, yeah, exactly. That's a good. That's a good point. Where most of us would sit back and think, "Do I need to share this thought? Is this what I need to say? Maybe I should give it a little bit more thought before putting this out there." He just goes for it. Well, but think about it. When he opens up the Twitter app or X, whatever. He's not following any account. So he only sees his posts on the feed. So he's not seeing any other reaction. Unless, I mean, unless he has another account that he can log into where he never tweets from. I've never understood that. Not following People that just don't, like, listen, watch, follow anything because they think it's going to influence their thinking. Yeah. I, I just think it's a good source of information to see how other people are doing it or to hear other opinions or to watch it. I, I don't... I've never jived with that line of thinking of, well, I want to have my own original thought and be able to claim it's my original thought, so I'm not going to read anything else or listen or see anything else. Chad, a former uh, SEC player and a former NFL defensive lineman, Ziggy Hood, is now a biology teacher and assistant coach uh, for a high school down in Texas. And he uh, potentially kept a school shooter uh, from... I, I believe the, the the student was arrested and had a weapon. They found a weapon, but he was potentially planning a school shooting at that high school. And Ziggy Hood, while in the biology class, noticed that there was a student that just didn't seem on point, that a little off. He, he approached him, tried to, uh, he, in, in the effort to mentor, try to figure out what was going on with this student. And come to find out, he found out that there was uh, the potential of 
some school shooter thoughts. And from that moment, he alerted the authorities and he saved lives by doing that, by, by having the wherewithal to approach the student in a positive fashion, got the information out when no one else would apparently speak to him. Yeah, all because he saw something and he said something to the individual, reacted. to the yeah. young person. So that's a, a good job by him. Is the ACC headed towards the Pac-12 status? We'll discuss that, plus Stanford and Cal and what we could see them do.